this would be one of those movies that like in if and when I ever get pregnant, it'll be on my list. It'll be like it's alive. Rosemary's Baby. It's on your list. Like you're going to watch this while you're pregnant. Yeah, that's That's so Julia. That's when it'll be the most terrifying on brand. Yeah, I'm just no. like I'm just like Mary shaking just my head. Shake your head. <laughs> no, I'm a psycho. No. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store, in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as, as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, geeking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We're the first podcast from Indie Popcorn, recording here at The Circus. I'm Julia. I'm Marion. This is episode 57, titled, What's Wrong With My Baby? Because today we're talking about 1974's It's Alive. The tagline... There's only one thing wrong with the Davis baby. It's, it's alive. alive. Um, I like that tagline. I do too. I think it's kind of clever. I um, like that it runs into the title of the film. Yeah, I enjoy that as well. Um, and uh, the poster for this also kind of takes a little bit of the Rosemary's Baby thing mm-hmm. where it's just like the crib, yep. but you can't see the baby in it. But though there's like the claw coming over the crib. Yeah, but I mean, like they don't show. Like, I mean, that's like yeah, they don't. But they don't show Killer Baby. Right. Um, I mean, they do later, but like they don't for the poster. Uh, so this movie was made for five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. It made fourteen million dollars. Did it really? Yeah. I know there's like four of these. There's right. Three. Three of them. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but that's that's still shocking. <laughs> I'm, very I'm, shocked. Sir, I'm still in shock right now too. That's it's, so much that's, return that's on this lots, crazy, crazy, lots of low money. budget film. Um, okay, so and the score. Yes. Okay. So the mind score, blown. Yeah. The score is Bernard Herman. So his first score is Citizen Kane, and then he works with fucking Hitchcock to do Psycho and Vertigo and North yeah. by Northwest, and then he does it alive. Yeah, I don't, I don't. And the funny thing is when you're listening to it, 100% it's Bernard Herrmann, yeah. who doesn't, score-wise, is not slumming it. Yeah. Like, he's doing the thing that he does, um, but it's just in this particular film is crazy, and I don't yeah. know why he did the score for this movie. That's such, a, like, a weird director-composer divide. Maybe, like, the filmmaker's, like, his neighbor, and he's, I don't know. I don't know. Larry yeah. Cohen, but he's proudly putting on there, written, directed, produced by. <laughs> written, directed, produced by. Larry Cohen. Me. It's all me. Um, I kind of like the opening. You have the just, like, the flashlights. Me too. And you don't really understand what that is or what that's about, and it comes full, full circle at the end. The, the opening parts of this movie until a certain point, I'm kind of down with. Like, I kind of like the opening. We, we meet uh, Frank and Lenore, who are a couple who are about to have a baby, and they have a son, Chris, and they have to wake him up in the middle of the night. They and... wake him up by taking the cat and then, like, poking him with, with the, the sleeping cat. cat. Yeah. Um, and I also, uh, we wrote this in the notebook on the original viewing, and uh-huh. I wrote this again watching it this time, but Chris's wallpaper is the best wallpaper in the world. Oh, it's really? It's so incredibly groovy. Okay. I, like, just transfixed. It's super 1974. It's, this is this is what Julia does. Uh-huh. She watches it alive, and I go, oh my god, that wallpaper. Oh my god. Wallpaper. You're just looking at so much decor in these movies, I and am. I'm always like, what are the actors doing right now? And Julia's like, look at that poster. Yeah. Yeah, that's really funny. This is very accurate for your lives, you guys. I know. Because yeah. <laughs> literally, I feel like Julia is always looking at decor, no matter where we go. Like, she's like, I want to live in this place. And she's always, like, thinking about where she's going to live. Uh-huh. And Marion is always mine. thinking about, like, what's the, like, what what are the actors? This yeah, is hilarious. That's really funny. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's like uh, little mm-hmm. bits of our personality yeah. un- unveiled every week yeah. here on Horror <laughs> Movie Survival Guide. 
Um, to learn about our wallpaper tastes. <laughs> what we look at when we're actually looking at a frame of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So, you know, they wake up Chris and they're like, oh, we got to, you know, you know, we're going to drop you off at um, Charlie, a family friend. Well, you know, we go and deliver the baby. And it's shot in this kind of handheld docu style, the beginning of this movie. And I feel like conversations are very kind of mumbly and it's, you know, feels a little bit improv improved and it's not... Um, it's not kind of like set up like set pieces. It feels very much like they're just, it's like really dark and you're mm-hmm. kind of, you feel like you're shot in a real house versus a soundstage and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like actors portraying people getting ready to go have a totally. baby. It's it like feels very like verite. people just getting ready and like they're very sweet to each other and yeah. they're excited. And, and it's not dramatic and it's just like they kind of talk over each other and you know, it's this like is a, the second baby so it should go fine. Yes, uh-huh. And, but it's been a while because Chris is like 10 so mm-hmm. it's like been a while since they've, they've done this but they're like, okay, you know, we're, we'll drive and and we'll go do it um and they go to the delivery room and frank's outfit is so 70s mm-hmm. like it's just, like he before he put on the hospital scrubs he had to take off his jacket and the shirt with like the flowers and the, i miss those those like i was like stuff. cannot believe i know. men dressed like this That's the thing. i know i know everybody thinks the 70s are the worst but i'm like they're kind of also the best because it was just like the 70s were like fuck it we're just going to put patterns on everything. I mean, I will give it to them for like fashion courage. Like right. it was, there was never more a courageous era than there was the 1970s, <laughs> you know, where I'm like, it, they're wise, just, they're going wise, for it, you know, wise. but perhaps how it came out, like I said, like, I, I can't say like men look, were, remember like tremendously handsome during this time, you know, like it wasn't, there was not a lot of sort of dapper, dashing, you're hey, just, that, that feathered 70s beholder hair and is, the beholder, my friend. Yeah. I mean, true. it's just, I'm into that era fair, so hard. Fair play, fair play. <laughs> Like you Leaf know, Garrett, like feathered yes. hair. That's hot. Yeah. Bell bottoms, yo. Uh, yeah. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it, Polyester. It is, it is something. Um, so, and again, the movie kind of really takes its time getting into it because you have, you know, by Marion's estimation, quite a bit of padding, but there's sort that, of like the dads hanging out in the that delivery is the number, room. That is, that's my number one problem with this film. I'm like, trim this film. Padding are us. This movie, I think, is like an hour and a half. And oh, we're still like, God, This film it's should long. be like 70 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's this, you know, so, you know, the mother is, you know, getting ready to do her thing. And, then, and of course, the dad can't be in the room with her while she's actually having the baby. He has to go into the waiting room yeah. with the other dads. I guess that's how that rolled, they rolled then. Um, and yeah, and the, the the dads are having just this ridiculous conversations where part of it is like they kind of, one dad sort of talks about how there's like lead in everything and, you know, you can't, like the government and they're trying to, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe this is something to do with the plot and what's going to happen with the baby. But then they also have this conversation about broken vending machines and snails and like yeah, there's just, a guy who's like a bug remover and he's like you know what the biggest problem at beverly hills is no and we don't care like you know it's, snails yeah it's just yeah it's it, that's the thing you're, you're like, just like get to it get to it come on <sighs> you know so then we yeah. have this crazy zoom in frank's mm-hmm. face as he looks he sees one of the doctors stagger out of the delivery room and fall over dead because he's been clawed his throat has been clawed and so he runs down uh into the room and uh and, and and also, too, it's like you see kind of a moment. We see Lenore m- just moments before that doctor comes out where she's like, something doesn't feel right. And the doctor's like, yeah, 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 ma'am. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, the doctor's kind of the worst. And it's just like, eh, you just shut up over there. I'll deliver your baby for you. Um, but yeah, Frank runs into the OR and where everybody usually, like the previous scene, there was like six or seven doctors, nurses, whatever, helping her out. And it's a slaughter fest. Mm-hmm. And everyone's already dead. And blood is everywhere. And she's just like freaking out. Because she's tied to the bed. Yeah. And I'm like, were you tied to the bed 
as part of the childbirth? Like, yes. this, is that how they were? They roll where they're like, all right, time to deliver a baby and strap you down like you're crazy. I'm like, if I couldn't move my arms as I was giving birth, I would lose my mind. Yeah. If you want to send a woman into panic, yeah. like strap her down and then make her give birth to her. Like freak out, like total freak out. So she's like tied to the bed and she can't escape the slaughter room. And Frank comes in and is just like, what? Because like the baby's gone, like the baby's gone. Everyone's dead and everyone looks like they've been attacked, eaten pieces of them are gone. And another doctor comes in and kind of takes a look at Lenore and says, the umbilical cord has been severed, but not surgically. It's been chewed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so beginneth our tale. Um, See, but this would be one of those movies that like in if and when I ever get pregnant, it'll be on my list. It'll be like, it's alive. Rosemary's baby. It's on your list. Like you're going to watch this the- while you're pregnant. Yeah. That's, that's like, so Julia. That's when guys. it'll be the most terrifying. On brand. Yeah, I'm just no, like I'm just like Marianne shaking just my head. Shaking her head. <laughs> no, because I'm a psycho. No, that's that's terrifying. I'm well, with Marion on this one, Julia. Really? Sorry, <laughs> I probably would avoid the things that would scare me the most while I was pregnant because it's probably not great for the baby. But going on, I just feel like I I don't get the full. I don't fully understand Rosemary's baby, but perhaps if I was pregnant, I would fully understand. Maybe her after terror. the baby was born. Yeah, maybe that thing. Okay. I would just be afraid that while you're there actually having to deliver it, you're going to have flashes of uh, it's alive in your head yeah. and it's going to make the whole childbirth thing so much more traumatic because you're going to think worst case scenario, which isn't real worst case scenario. It's right. movie worst case mm-hmm. scenario. And that's just not helpful. So, yeah. you well, know, it's looking doubtful at this, at this point anyway. So, <laughs> But yeah. So basically, but Frank is dragged from the room and Lenore... I feel like kind of knows like maybe what happened, but Frank it does not seem to like accept that his baby did this. Right. And, and, they that's keep, a thing. and they're asking him like, has your wife been near any radiation, any x-rays machines? Is there genetic damage in your family? Like, yeah. And none of the just, questions you want to hear no, right after you have a baby. Like, no. And, and Frank's just kind of a little catatonic about yeah, it. Yeah. There's that horrible, know? like he goes home and he sees the like nursery they've made yeah. for the baby, which is really sad and then he just goes and he's just like mechanically brushing his teeth like Mm -hmm. zoned out and you're like wow oh that's not good your brain is not processing that well sir yeah but then i feel like this movie kind of starts this goes to this other place and it begins with this sequence where there's sort of baby cam who attacks a go-go dancer a woman got some sweet white go into her go-go dancing job like this super 1974 lady who's she's dressed like she's in a movie not like she's a person and she's just like i'm going to the car what is that noise and then it's like a baby cam in her face and uh, the baby attacks her and it's just like the baby's basically we don't really see it like we're seeing like in a very very quick flashes but the baby's basically going around Attacking things like it's a little creature mm-hmm. with like baby cam. And then we kind of go back to the Frank Lenore drama. And then it's like more baby murders. Back to the Frank and more baby murders. Can I say that I think this might be the most annoying cam this in a film? Cam. It's because it's like. Or the noise, like the baby noise. The baby noise isn't good, but it's just like it's out of focus. And yeah. I understand like, okay, it's a baby. It can't see very well. And like, that's what it's supposed Wasn't to be. Wasn't it doing kind of like a double vision thing yeah. too? Okay. Yeah. Like it couldn't really decide like is the baby, like how the baby can see things, how the, I don't know. It just seemed very, I don't Well, know. I just, I, I find it strange that they rely on the cam. Lots. Being as they have fucking Rick Baker doing their makeup effects. Oh, did he? Yes. That's really funny. So okay. it's like you have the guy. I understand it's 1974 Rick Baker, but still, like, why are you not? He's mm-hmm. like, we never get like full baby awesomeness, really. A little but do bit. you think that's necessary for this movie to be better? 
Or do you think, because we feel, don't with Rosemary's Baby, and that's what I love about it. Well, if you're trying to compare this movie to Rosemary's Baby, you're oh, I'm not. sorely yeah, mistaken. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not. But I think it's, you know, and I understand this movie has a harder road to go because, you know, Rosemary doesn't deliver her baby till the end of the movie. Right. And this movie starts with the birth. So it's like, how long can you go without seeing the baby? But it's just also, you know, the the this movie kind of gives a reason for like why the baby is born the way it is. But it's, I think this, I think in our sort of ongoing killer kids uh uh, group that we're doing right now, I feel like Killer Baby is really, really hard, much mm-hmm. in the same way that I had with like the mini killers like Chucky right. and all this kind of stuff is because it it's just going to be really, really silly. And I feel like because the movie started with this kind of verite style that when it makes this jump with like this a baby with fangs that can crawl super fast and all this kind of stuff, it's really goofy and really and so i feel like there there's this split where like the the whole the, all the baby killer stuff is just super b-movie cheese and i feel like but all the frank and lenore stuff is legit and they're trying like these guys I mean, bless their hearts like they and are trying so it's just and it's like but it totally just pulls the rug out from underneath them yeah and it's i don't know it's kind of really ineffectual little killer thing because yeah you know but i i appreciate the fact that like they really go for like the horribleness of like what if you have a baby and it's not dead it's like horribly fucked up and it's killing people and yeah. it's yours no and, and it's like i feel like how much yeah. you have to deal with that of like people think you're disgusting because you gave birth to this monster and it's right. like he has the speech where he talks about frankenstein and how about yeah. like people think frankenstein's the monster but it's actually the doctor but the identities get confused yes and so like the parents become the monsters even though they're not even though it's their babies the monster right and i like that like the if you're gonna sort of it's sort of if it's sort of like a story b story you know a story parents b story um killer baby i mean i like that the the a story is sort of like the emotional ramifications of having a killer baby like okay that's interesting but i feel like if the b story is like a hokey b movie cheese fest yeah. then it's sort of like you're just you're killing these guys man you're killing because he he goes to work you know yeah, right afterwards and his boss is like come on in buddy want some breakfast get him some breakfast i know what do you think the big guy wants what by, you, the, by the way yeah maybe you should take some time off maybe you should and like there and you know they kind of make jokes like he's like oh remember when frank when his you know kid was born and he was retarded i mean that was real tough and you know he has that line where he's like oh no like he's not retarded like we're talking about a monstrosity yeah like my baby my baby's monster like straight monster um and the, the boss is like <laughs> well we're uh, in pr here so uh maybe you need a good pr firm jokes all around and, yeah and it's then it's like why don't you go down the service elevator tells the ner- the secretary to, to fire him. clear out his desk yeah. and he never gets the breakfast he offers <laughs> Julia's like main problem with this movie. Where is Frank's breakfast? If you if you explicitly offer someone breakfast when they come in, and then you make them leave and they don't even get it, like the secretary made that breakfast. Now where is it? So if fi- the firing not so bad, but the lack of breakfast is hey. just will not stand. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, um, it's like you've had all of this happen, and now you've also lost your job. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be in a pretty fragile mental state. Yeah. And he's definitely trying to kind of, well, it's okay. Maybe it's okay. But so he seems to kind of accept baby's a monster. I guess that's kind of the deal. Uh, Lenore has gone home and has this nurse that's taking care of her who ends up being a journalist in disguise because they're trying to get the story. Like, hides the tape recorder on her <laughs> right. breakfast tray. It's totally. So fucked up. Yeah. And like Charlie, the family friend, they don't want Chris to come home. So Charlie's like going to take Chris fishing and, you know, all this, ki- you know, all, all this kind of stuff. But you can tell Lenore is starting like she's twanged yeah and like she's going to remain twanged and only get further down the twang like just it's she's not handling i really it. like her her kind of arc in this film like she mm-hmm. i think uh, sharon fell that actress mm-hmm. 
she I mean she goes all over the map and yeah. like I I really like her. I thought she does a really good job of yeah. like you're like okay, you seem kind of happy now, but I know that it's not really happy. Yeah. Like something's going on. Something's going on. We don't know exactly what that is. But I feel like again, you have like that kind of scene where you're just like, "Oh, this couple, all oh, they're really going for it." And then you have this scene where like for one thing, I didn't even know they were still delivering milk in 1974 door to door. And I'm like, really? That was still a thing? Um, but the milkman is like delivering milk in the neighborhood and the baby gets in the back of the milk thing and then he attacks him. And so all the milk and blood get mixed and pour out of the back of the truck and it's sort of like pink. Blah. And it's and you the, you can hear like the baby eating the milkman noises mm-hmm. and... These are improbable noises <laughs> I'm not really buying. And I don't know. I just feel like, again, it's kind of the thing where, like, the movie sort of sabotages itself. Where, like, okay. these actors are like, truth, truth, truth. And right. then they're like, <laughs> milkman blood. Milk, milk bloodbath. Yeah. And Bernard Herman had to watch the movie countless times to yeah, score and, it. Yeah, and score that scene. He's yeah. like, <sighs> you know. <laughs> okay. Um, so then they think that they have cornered the baby at the school. Chris's school too. Chris's school, which is I'm not weird. clear how where the baby's going. Like, how, why is he like out just killing milkmen and go-go ladies? Yeah, but then he's like seems to be going specifically to Chris's school. How would he know who Chris is? He's never met him. Totally. Um, also, but, you're like six hours old, and the and then Frank goes down and like hangs out for a bit and yeah. is really upset and then leaves. And kind of like monologues the yeah. classroom about like the kid isn't his son. It's not his. Right. Um, and then there's like toys being played with in the shadows uh-huh. by an unseen thing, which is the baby. And I'm like, what is this supposed to mean yeah. right now? Like, I don't, I don't know. know what all of and this then is. Why does Frank leave before they find the baby? He's just like, okay, I'm leaving now. Time to go. And then like a cop and then a, a cop goes in that same room and is immediately killed by the baby. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, so the baby knows it's he's his dad and doesn't want to kill him because what? What, what, what? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't really know. Um, and then he meets uh, a doctor who starts talking about the contraception that Lenore was taking. And there were certain drugs that le- that may have caused mutations. And this is kind of like our loosey-goosey explanation for why the baby is monster baby mm-hmm. i guess but they don't kind of fully commit to it either it's like maybe this maybe not next scene we don't know <laughs> and you're like okay thanks movie um and then frank goes home and he like goes into the refrigerator and all of the milk bottles are gone yeah and so he's like oh chris must be home because that's what you would think when you would see all the milk gone is that your 10 year old son has come and drank six bottles of milk don't you hate when your 10 year old does that when you drink like all do. the milk yeah, drink. you're just like, I get milk thirsty, man. I, I, just, I just need it. <laughs> I just need to go to town. Um, but Lenore is kind of getting crazier and crazier. And uh, and yeah, and Frank thinks that maybe Chris is home. Meanwhile, Chris has run away from Charlie in order to go home. And seems he, to be run a fuck ton of a long way to get does, home. He's yeah. just like, I'm chucking, chucking. <laughs> yeah, he's, because he hasn't really been told like what's going on and what's up. And so he's had it to go. Uh, and so, but Frank has figured out that Lenore is keeping the baby in the basement and she's like no he's your son i love you and and again like these actors are like outside this basement really doing this mm-hmm. really really doing this he knows you're his father he knows he's your father like love him and at that time chris has come home in the basement and has found the cat that was previously used to poke him awake is now <laughs> been eaten by the baby <laughs> They must have um, drugged that cat. I don't know. So, uh, cat, no cat on earth will allow you to poke someone with that <laughs> yeah, cat. No. Um, and so, uh, and so, Chris sees the baby, but kind of sees him in shadow. So I don't think he sees how creep 
you know, scary he is, I guess. Yeah. But he's like, don't worry, I'll protect you. It'll all be okay. Um, and Frank come down, comes downstairs and uh, it's about to attack Chris and Frank shoots it. Um, but then it turns, Charlie has like shown up in order to be like, hey guys, what's going on? Like, I realize Chris has escaped. I should tell you about it. And the baby attacks Charlie and kills him mm-hmm. um, and then flees into the sewers. Um, well, are you ready for a big sewer LA wash finale am i um can i just say that uh police lights look really nice in a tunnel yes and so we see those same lights that was the image that began the film and it's like yeah looking in the sewers i think they're trying to make this like a third man kind of thing and it's, it's it doesn't <laughs> really work well, we i think king. that's what they're trying they got citizen king connections you know because it's flashlights it's reflecting yeah. off of you know round surfaces but you know like that whole thing and so yeah like the lapd in its entirety shows up to hunt this killer baby um and the shot they did this movie for anyway, right? Yeah, like no, I got that. this image in my yeah. head of, of the shot. Um, Can we just talk about John Ryan's monologue? Yeah, when he no, finds the baby please. because wow, yeah, please. It's this man who, like, one of those guys who you think has never cried a day in his life. Like he's mm-hmm. so tough looking, and yeah. then he's just like weeping as he's talking to his like monster baby about like now that he's seen him yeah he's like oh it's my baby because the monster baby is making these like noises these Mm -hmm. like crazy monster crying noises that's like half horrifying but i just feel like they're really cheesy and again it's like this actor is like giving it his all and it's like this like terrible sound effect and you see a bit more of the baby I don't know. It's not super convincing. It's kind of puppety and enormous, like pretty big. And yeah, like this actor is sort of trying to make that transition to like this thing I've been hunting down and trying to kill the whole movie. I'm now I see as my son. I love as my son. I'll take care of your sport. Don't worry about it. Uh, And you're just see. And that's the part of these kind of movies, these Rosemary's Babies and these like, I don't get that. Like, I don't understand the like feeling of instinct that would take over that you would be like oh i I love you even though you're a monster Mm -hmm. like "Hmm? yeah i I don't get it i think it makes sense to me i guess i just feel like the i mean i suppose i think i could imagine that but i guess i feel like in this particular scenario i don't i feel like everything in rosemary's baby was kind of leading to that moment because she was fighting against it so so hard and she was doing so much to protect her unborn child right that at that moment when she sees the horror horrible makes the switch then then she can't really make the switch because it's what she's been fighting for the whole time and in frank's case like the movie isn't doing that the movie's yeah. just doing like oh monster baby struggling with the guilt of having you know, been part of the Monster Baby's creation and what should I do about that? So then when he kind of makes this transition, I feel like the movie is just doing it so he can have this like final scare shot. Right. Which we do, which basically he puts him in a jacket and like brings him out of the sewer. And they have like the splashiest, slowest like yeah. chase out of the tunnel. Yeah. Um. And then uh. And then somebody tries to, and then he, you know, he's basically like lock it up, study it, but don't kill it. Like kind of begging for its life. And then, and then there's this weird bit where like there's a doctor that seems like he's going to like go get it but i feel like frank kind of throws it at it Mm -hmm. slash maybe it was supposed to jump out of his hands i don't really know but it attacks the doctor in the face and then they just unload on it and basically shoot the thing to death and lenore's there watching and frank's there's watching everyone like they freak out and cry and we see the dead baby oh see we see the dead baby dead monster baby um and then they are taken into escorted into a car where uh like a sheriff says like oh by the way just came over the wire another one's been born in seattle sequel sequel um and that's literally the end of this movie 
So if the so what you just just then yeah that's that's this movie that's, that's, that's this movie sign. that's this movie so it like looks- credits you go <sighs> okay so that was a 90, right. 90 minutes of my life I'm never yeah. gonna get back um, I feel like if the if the baby was done a little differently and if they trim the hell out of it a little differently or a lot differently well I just don't. Why why bother having this like incredible makeup artist do this baby thing if we barely see it? Yeah. Like we really barely see it. Mm-hmm. And so like you I feel like you either kind of have to do all or nothing, but this weird like a little glimpse, but that's all you get. Like yeah. it just feels unsatisfying. I guess also too, I don't think that the idea of if you have a killer baby movie, the idea that the the baby is like, you know, super mobile. Um, it does nothing to really like, you know, add to like the fear of it because mm-hmm. it running around and killing characters that we've never met does not make your killer baby more terrifying. I think what's terrifying about killer baby or like a Rosemary's baby scenario is that your kid is born inherently mega evil, but it's a child. So what do you do about that? Mm-hmm. Like Rosemary's like, it's my child. I can't kill it. And then also adults are like, I don't think we can kill it. So even though it's like anything that comes within four feet, it's going to like rip its face off. That's scary. Right. But like the, but it's sort of like the, the moral, like, how do we handle that? I feel like that's where the fear of killer baby is. And I feel like it's alive doesn't do that. It takes the idea that it's just like a roving psychopath, uh, you know, on, on four little chubby arms, like, you know, yeah. and like, that's what's scary. And that's not what's scary about it. Um, and so I feel like because it doesn't really understand what's the true fear behind its own premise, it tries to split it. And in splitting it, where we're doing a bit of both, one sabotages the other. And so you're left with a giant sigh when the credits roll that you're like, why do I feel this way? What? Oh, I think that might be why. And I don't understand how horror movies work sequel-wise. Like, why does this movie get two sequels? Like, what is it about? Well, didn't you the- say it made like a jillion dollars? It made a jillion dollars. Yeah, Money. that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like Bloody Birthday that we talked about in the end, like it did like Bloody Birthday, there was plans for it, but it didn't make any money. So they're like, nope. Right. nope. It's a it's, a, gonna it's do a, it. a strange genre. Yeah. Or <laughs> um so uh gore factor, uh one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup, two, a puddle of blood, three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer, four, bathtub of blood, and five is run for the barf bag. Um, you and I gave this two a puddle of blood, which is basically for that operating room scene mm-hmm. because horror show uh and then we have our movie ratings uh zero to five chainsaws one if you're desperate two barely qualifies as a horror film three seen worse seen better four not too shabby five fantastic oracle i gave this a zero. First zero the first zero. Oh, the podcast wow uh, yeah. yeah i gave it a one if you're desperate um i mean i feel like the the if, i think if these two lead actors were terrible mm-hmm. then i would be on zero with you i feel like they're they're trying bless their hearts but the movie is totally and utterly sabotaging them yeah i think i would i think i would bump this up to a one now i, I feel like i've seen worse honestly yeah yeah like, and you know one is one is harsh. it's pretty Zero's, bad though yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. It's and got I, a Bernard Herrmann score, though. Can I really give it a zero? Yeah, well, and it's not a bad Bernard Herrmann score, but I feel like I was looking over to see how much longer yeah. while I was Ooh. watching this movie, and it's 90 yeah. minutes. It drags. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's not it's not it's not a complicated story, right. you know? Well, that's the thing. I, you know, these kind of like B-picture horror grindhousey things, like they're meant to be short because you're going to play it on a double feature or something else. So right. I feel like I'm surprised it's as long as it is because yeah. I feel like Larry Cohen like did a lot of stuff before this, like not directing, but like, you mm-hmm. know, on, and I feel like he would know that. Yeah. Um, but maybe he just thought 90 minutes, like it just has to be. That's the, I don't know, but there's not 90 minutes of movie in here. Uh, the greatest, uh, 
marquee that we ever had up at the New Beverly mm-hmm. was two of his films. Uh-huh. Um, and it was God Told Me To, which is the first film. God Told Me To what? Bone. Mm, okay. It's the second film. God Told Me To Bone. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's LOL. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. He's like, no. it's the double bill dream. <laughs> uh, so next week, we're going to talk about uh, the last in our Killer Kids round. Yep. Uh, I am super excited to talk about. Yeah, we got uh, Stephen King coming back. More Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Never enough Stephen King for Julio Marchesi. <laughs> we're going to be talk- talking about Firestarter. Yeah, starring Drew Barrymore from 1984, yeah. like, like right after E.T., right? Uh, so. scores, uh, or two ET. years after ET. Yeah. 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 Okay. But same year as Children out of the Corn. Oh, okay. It was a big Stephen King so year. So who does it better? But since 1976, every year has been a big Stephen King year. So <laughs> we do talk about him a lot on this podcast. true. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kept going. No, it's right on. Yeah. Good for him. That's Gosh, what I say. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. So join us next week, guys, for some Firestarter. We'll see you then. Join us and tell a friend if you like our podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, Terry slides that in. Yeah. I just want to say that. <laughs> Tell your friends and have them follow us as well. We're on all the social medias. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Um, and just tell your friends to give us an, and Facebook and give us a nice little review if you're on the iTunes or any of those platforms. Mm-hmm. That's tell us how much you love us. <laughs> I hear we've been getting stopped different places at parties and whatnot. <laughs> I'm like so proud. That has happened. Um, mini, I'm building many celebrities. We're building an empire here. So help us out. <laughs> all right. Thanks. So Terry's building an empire. We're just along for the ride. Oh, look at Terry's <laughs> empire. Wow. That is true. It's amazing. Uh, Okay, guys. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, guys.